Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the Pro Basketball Talk podcast. I'm Dan Feldman. I'm here with Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago. Casey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Dan? Good. So I want to talk to you about, I think, probably the most polarizing offseason in the NBA, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, some good moves, some maybe not good moves. Opinions vary. Uh, I think people are, are uh, can't even agree on which are the good moves, which are the bad moves, but Chicago made big moves. Uh, and this is where I want to start. I just want to get a sense for what you think the Bulls' place is in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so I'm going to say some teams in the East. Uh, stop me when I get to a team that you think the Bulls are better than. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, Miami Heat, Atlanta Hawks, New York Knicks. Yeah, right there. And, and actually, and and I think you should. I think rather than saying are better than, I think you should say could be better. Well, than, so that, that was going to be the next question. <laughs> this is this is also this is as you know why they play the games, right? I mean, it's like we're sitting here in the off season. We have no idea how these pieces are all going to come together. Um, but you, I mean, you you do strike to the point that that is um, that is pertinent to the Bulls off season in the sense that. Regardless of how you feel about their offseason, to me, I think everyone would agree they significant, significantly upgraded their talent, right? So, I mean, mm. that's that's unquestionable from my perspective. So, but the question is, like, how much do they uh, upgrade it? And, you know, with the East being as strong as it is, where will they land in it? Um, and this is why they play the games. I mean, I, I can see the Bulls coalescing perfectly and all the pieces meshing together and them being, you know, fighting for – uh, home court advantage, or I can see them, you know, fighting for a play-in spot. I mean, that's that's how wide the the, the range is. But you, you have no idea until you see how these guys get out on the court and, and play together. Yeah, so I wanted to get into could be next and just start with, like, what do you think? Because you got to give yourself a little more credit. I, I get the idea we got to play the games, of course, right? We don't know what's going to happen. But we're not shooting blind. You know basketball. You have a sense of what you think is going to happen. I think you're – you know, predictions are generally going to be right. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's crazy to predict that the Bucks are going to be better than the Bulls, uh, but there are the closer cases for sure, like the Knicks. And I'm curious, you know, just roughly where we, so you, you'd have that, the Bulls, it sounds like in that tier. And, uh, you know, just a couple more teams I didn't get to uh, Celtics, Pacers, Wizards. I mean, are, are you, from what you can see now, what you'd be predicting, would you have the Bulls ahead of all of those teams? I, I had the Knicks, I guess, in the top of, of that group. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the Knicks obviously are the classic team that, you know, I mean, I, I lived with uh, with Tom Thibodeau for five seasons. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't live with him, but I, you know, spent a lot of time around him. So, uh, you know, he, he obviously maxes out his teams and in, 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 in gets the most out of them in the regular season. So maybe the Knicks finish with a regular, regular season record. You know, the other thing is Atlanta. I mean, could, could Atlanta take a step back? I mean, they had a they had a magical season last year where everything just coalesced perfectly. And you can see that team either getting better or maybe taking a step back. So, you know, I, I've never liked sports predictions. I, 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 I agree with your point. You know, you can, you can obviously project the nets and the bucks. You can pretty safely say are going to be better. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons and the 76ers and, and that all that chemistry and that stuff. Um, I like the Celtics. I think people are sleeping a little too much in the Celtics. I think they had a quiet, quietly good off season. Uh, I think that, uh, um, you know, J- uh, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum are are going to have a really good year. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, they're in that mix, right? And here's the thing. I mean, just from a Bulls perspective, rather than looking at it from a league prism, th- this team has to make the playoffs. I mean, you can't push in the chips that Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, and their staff did without, without making the playoffs. I mean, that's just as simple as it gets. So, you know, last year was a disappointment when you make the big splash trade for Vucevic and you don't even make the play-in. Uh, you know, obviously, Zach Levine's uh, landing in the health and safety protocols impacted that situation a little bit, but they weren't playing great uh, post-Vucevic until the end. So um, this is this is the time. They, there's really no more excuses. you gotta, you got to do it on the court now for sure. So it's a new environment, and I've been trying to sell everybody that, you know, we've got to stop thinking about top eight in the regular season uh, it's really top six and then the next four and there's obviously stratification within the four with how the playing tournament works and then there's everybody else uh, I think the Bulls are going to have a tough time directly qualifying for the playoffs coming out of the regular season uh, we just went through 70s uh, Sixers Nets Bucks Hawks Heat and then you know you said you're high in the Celtics I also think the the Celtics will be uh, better than the Bulls I know you didn't quite say that um, but that's six teams right there I think the Bulls are going to have a hard time directly qualifying for the playoffs. The bar to do that, it's higher now. you got to be top six. Uh, I think they have a decent shot of having a more favorable play-in seed. You know, it's a lot easier to make the playoffs as the seventh seed in the play-in tournament than the eight, than the nine, than the ten. But I'm not sure the Bulls get that. Um, You know, when you say make the playoffs, are you saying if they get in even at the end of the play-in tournament, that's okay? That obviously can be more random with that single elimination. Or are you saying the bar is they've got to directly qualify for the playoffs with one of those top six seeds? Well, I personally think that should be the bar is top yeah. six, right? I mean, you don't make the you don't make the the moves that they made and commit the money you you committed to to DeRozan and Ball, and and you know spend the draft capital that you did to to assemble this roster without that being the goal. So I agree with you. That, that's a, that's an, a, that's a pertinent point to where the NBA is now, you know, that you really have to look at the playoffs as a top six experience because it can get so random after that. Now that said, I will, I will throw out the qualifier that, I mean, the bulls have been irrelevant, you know, for, for several seasons now, they've not been in the playoffs since 2017, uh, the last year of, you know, the Jimmy Butler uh, experience and, and also the, the one year experiment with Rajon Rondo and, and Dwayne Wade. So, you know, at least here in Chicago, the Bulls have become kind of an afterthought in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, if they don't make top six, but they get a play-in seed or, or qualify via the play-in tournament or however it works, 
that's still something, right? And I'm not saying you you have, reserve Grand Park and have a championship parade, you know, <laughs> three of which I covered way back when at my former employer, but, um, you know, it, it's something. So, uh, but I personally think the, 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 the standard should be what you were saying, top six. And yeah, it's if you start ticking off the teams, it gets crowded pretty darn quickly. So that's why this can be a fun season there. You, you've, you've, you know, this management team, you've got to give them a lot of credit. They've been very aggressive, but now you've, you've stuck your necks out. That, that to me has to be the result of all these moves. You've got to, you've got to be focused on, on top six and and a playoff appearance. I'm hearing all the warning signs of when I think teams get into the most trouble. And I think that's when they've uh, been losing for a while and are just tired of it. Even if, where their roster is, where their uh, draft picks are, where, where everything sh- is in their team building says, hey, yeah, it stinks you were bad so long, but the logical course is to is to be patient uh, because, yeah, even though you were bad for a couple of years, you didn't make enough progress in those bad years. And now you're, you're still near the bottom where it makes sense to be patient. And then teams just get impatient. And then they chase a low playoff seed. And you push in a lot of chips for a low playoff seed. And then you get there. And it's not that satisfying, right? Making the play. I think the Bulls, Bulls fans, everybody should be happy if they make the playoffs this year. But where does that lead? You know, when, when you go in for a veteran like DeRozan, veterans like a, a veteran like Vucevic, I'm not sure like a low, uh, let's say, you know, let's say they're seventh in the East and, you know, comfortably win that first play in game. Uh, you make the play in it or playoffs and you know, lose in five games or something. That's nice. That's nice right now. But where does it go from there? That runs out so quickly. I think when you're chasing a low playoff seed, to me, this looks like a team uh, that made a big mistake with the Jimmy Butler trade uh, kind of as the original part of, of this era of Bulls basketball sunk down further than they ever expected are miserable because of it are now chasing a low playoff seed and have such a narrow path to, uh, feel satisfied with this route. I think it's possible. I think there are some good players on this roster. I think it's possible, but I think it's such a narrow path where they win enough, where they feel good about this route. And then they're stuck again with these draft picks gone with uh, this expensive roster. Uh, what do you think? Am I looking at this the right way or do you see a little more hope? Yeah, I would say that's, that's a pretty glass half empty uh, perspective. I'm not saying it's wrong, but here, here's, here's how I'd respond to that though. You have to compare what you're talking about with the fact that they've changed management management mm-hmm. regimes, right? So um, this is not this is not the same management regime reacting to the Jimmy Butler trade and going, "Oh my God, we've been terrible for four years. Let's let's change course and just chase any playoff." This is a new management team with an inc- with with obviously a vision, and you've got to give that them time to for that vision to to present itself. They, they've had one season, and, and yes. The fact that they swung for the fences at, at the trade deadline and got Vucevic and then didn't even make the plan, Arturis said flat out, "That's a that's a failure." I mean, so, but you you've got to you've got to let them you got to let let this management team kind of execute its vision. And here's what I would say is like, and and I've been guilty a little bit of this of this too. But to say okay, they they've expended all this draft capital, they're they're trapped, they're going for win now, and maybe it's a late, low playoff seed, you know. They just they just made all these moves while operating as an over the cap team. So it's clear that they have pretty uh, intricate and bold ideas for roster construction, right? Um, so that was this summer. So everyone's saying, "Oh, they don't have draft picks. These contracts are untradeable." You don't know that. I mean, first of all, they're obviously to me these all these moves are pointing to them uh, extending Zach next summer. So now you've got Zach locked in long term. You've kind of got two waves of talent, right? You got 
Zach straddling the older guys that are Vucevic and DeRozan uh, with the younger guys, the core that is Ball, um, Patrick Williams, and, you know, whatever they do with Kobe White. And, and, you know, if you start winning, whether it's a four seed, a seven seed, what have you, maybe you get more to be more attractive. I mean, Arturis and Mark Eversley clearly have pretty strong reputations around the league because of the moves they were able to, to do this summer. And then, you know, we can sit here and say, oh, they've expanded their draft capital, their trap. But I bet you they have ideas as to what their next moves are if this this roster construction doesn't work, whether that's, you know, next summer, the following summer, um, et cetera. So um, that's why I would say I think it's a little glass half empty because it's not it's not John Paxson and Gar Foreman, you know, throwing darts at the moon after, you know, trying to rectify the Jimmy Butler trade. They made the Jimmy Butler trade, plunge into a full rebuild, tried to rebuild with draft picks, which, by the way, they succeeded doing way back when, when they replaced Jerry Krause in 03. Mm-hmm. They hit on all those draft picks initially. You could you could definitely question whether they hit on these draft picks, you know, the succession of Markin and Carter, White. And, and that, but that's, they're gone. I mean, John's around as an advisor, but he's just, you know, he's just an advisor. He's not making any of the basketball decisions. So, uh, I'm still getting to know Arturis, Karnaschovas, and Mark Eversley. I've never met Mark Eversley in person because of COVID. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, so that that's why I would kind of throw out the qualifier. Let, let's see how this plays out. I think, again, the point I would hammer home is, you know, the fact that they did all this while operating as an over-the-cap team, they didn't, you know, it's clear it's clear they have, they you know, J.J. Polk, the salary cap guy, their scouting staff, et cetera. It's clear they have ideas on roster construction. Now, it has to work. I'm not saying, okay, just because they have ideas on roster construction, <laughs> this is a great management team. I'm just saying, let's see how it plays out, and then let's see what their next moves are. But I, I like I, I like the fact that they have a vision, and they go out and execute it. And and, and that was clear to me that this offseason. It's a good point about management changing. Uh, I also look at, though, as same ownership, Reinsdorf's still there. Uh do you sense any pressure from above and impatience from above because of those years losing after the Jimmy Butler trade uh, where maybe this is going quicker than I, than it than it would than it should well michael reinstorf is is in charge now he he's the day-to-day guy he's president of of uh, business operations and and coo i mean his father obviously still signs off on everything but the, the, they've publicly acknowledged that you know michael led the search to 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 hire arturas Michael is an extremely competitive guy. I've known Michael for a long time. He obviously wants to win, but he totally has nothing to do with basketball. He runs mm. business. He lets Arturis, Mark Eversley, and their staff make basketball decisions. Does he have to sign off on, you know, a six million dollar contract for Billy Donovan? Of course. I mean, he's their ownership, but you know, um, just you know, having. I, I knew Arturis a little bit, not well, when he worked bef- uh, in Denver. Um, and I'm getting to know him with the Bulls. All I'd say is what I know of him, and I have known Michael a long time. They are very aligned competitively. So this is just, you know, this is a this is a, a time where they are tired of losing uh, as a franchise. And, uh, you know, Arturis fits personality-wise with that. You can see by his aggressive moves i mean he came in and evaluated and he was like yeah this ain't working for me i mean i, <laughs> I i'm gonna I, I i've got to flip this roster these these guys you know if 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 he if he had come in and evaluated larry Markin and wendell carter jr were balling out and playing out playing great he, he would have kept them but 
they weren't. So he he started shaping the roster and in his vision. And again, it aligns competitively with with where ownership is. I think other than the years of losing, uh, the other big reason for a sense of urgency now is Zach Levine. Zach Levine headed toward free agency, wanting to impress him before it's too late. Um, I believe he's a competitive guy, doesn't want to be part of continued losing. Uh, but I also question whether he's quite good enough a player to revamp your whole plan around. And maybe this would have been a plan anyway, because like you said, the, the people in charge are competitive too. Uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, I think he's improved a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton since he's come into the league. Uh, he was very good last year. Uh, his shooting uh, is excellent. He, he can create offense. I don't know. It just doesn't – if he's so good, I wonder why the Bulls have been so bad. I, I understand that's not all on him. It's a team sport. It's not an inv- individual sport. His, his defense has been bad. Sometimes he talks about being better. It's still not good enough. Um it just doesn't seem like he translates win quite as much, but I see his improvement. He's still fairly young. I mean, he's getting older every year, obviously, uh, but the way his shooting come around, I don't know. What do you think? Is he a good enough player where the Bulls really should be building around him uh, to the degree that they seem to be doing? Did you watch the Olympics or not? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking <laughs> that like, like uh, no, I'm not asking that like, uh, you know, smart in a smarmy fashion, but did you watch the Olympics or not? Well, this is a... Another smarmy, a smarmy sounding, but actually non-smarming answer. Of course, it was on NBC. Okay, there you go. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to play that role, obviously, on the Bulls, but the, that that to me answers your question. When you put Zach Levine around good players, he's really damn good. I mm-hmm. mean, I thought he was incredibly impactful as a two-way player on that team. That's true. Um, I thought his the fact that there was uh, some of the offensive burden lifted from him. I mean, obviously, he was like, you know, I think he ended up being the fourth or fifth highest score on that team. He averaged in double figures or right near it. I, I can't, don't have the final stats right in front of me. And I, I know some people, I, I, I talked to some people involved in that coaching staff who said his role acceptance, his commitment at that defensive end were that they, they, it blew them away. Like they weren't expecting it. So this is where I think the addition of DeRozan is going to be so huge because you've got, uh, a real efficient and sniper type scorer um, whose who's efficiency and his mid-range game and the way he's kind of evolved as a player, um, I think can be really impactful for Zach. I think Zach can come down offensively and still have a better year this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I personally expect that to happen. I'm a, so to answer your question, I might be the wrong person. To ask. I'm, a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge Zach Levine fan because I've been around the guy for a long time. I see how much he cares. I see how much work he puts in. I see how much it matters to him. He has not had good players around him. It's as simple as that. Now, are the Bulls the Olympic team? Of course not. They're not anywhere near it. Um, I think the fact that they've upgraded their talent level, we haven't really got much into Lonzo Ball, who I think is a very, very solid connecting piece for all of these parts. Um, I I personally think Zach's going to have a monstrous year. And like I said, that could be with his numbers coming down. I think he's going to impact winning a lot more. And to me, it, you do not make all the moves they've made without this being a no-brainer max extension um, next summer, which I should add, by, by the way, if he makes All-NBA, which complete long shot because those backcourt spots fill up very, very quickly, uh, he's you know super max eligible. So um, I, I, I think Zach is um, – is, is ready to bust out on the national stage. He started doing it in stages here. 
all-star game appearance first, Olympic berth next. And um, I think now that he's surrounded by better teammates, uh, I, I think he's going to have a huge year. So this is, this is where I especially want your insight. Uh, I don't know Zach Levine well at all. Um, from a distance, I see a lot of players in his shoes where maybe at different points, uh, especially on the Olympic team, yeah, I can I can commit to defense. I can give up the ball. I, I, I can do those things for – for a few weeks, especially representing Team USA. I understand my role there. But when you're the go-to guy on a team, when you are the scorer, as much as you think you want to give that up, sometimes it's really hard to give that up. Players don't always have an easy time with that uh, when, uh, when they get better teammates. You get used to having the ball in your hands. It's more fun to have the ball in your hands. How do you think uh, Zach will do mentally with that shift? Incredibly, incredibly well. And this is where, uh, you know, I mean, like to me, it's it, it, if you're around him, you see how unselfish he is. You see how much he wants to win. You see how much he's tired of being labeled as a empty calorie score, all that stuff. It, it kills him. It burns at him. I've seen it. You can feel it palpably when you're next to him. Now, next last year we weren't in the locker room, obviously, so you didn't see it. So um, I have zero reservations answering that question as emphatically as I am. The example I'll give is this. This is a dude who's who who like eagerly props up guys like Lowry Markinen and Kobe White. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and I'm not being you know dismissive of those guys, but I'm just saying like Demar Derozan and Nikola Vucevic are a little more accomplished than those guys, right? So, um, you know, he's he's willing to share the spotlight. He he uh, he, and again, this is where Ball to me is going to be. Ball is an incredibly selfless player. He's always looking for that go-ahead pass. He doesn't even care about assists as much as the hockey assists. He just wants to make the right play. Uh, the Bulls were really bad at the, you know, they, they, they started the season pretty good in transition, and then after the Vucevic trades, their, their pace dropped, and, and they just started playing more out of the half court. They didn't look for push-ahead opportunities. They didn't really have strong point guard play. You know, to me, Lonzo's not a great, you know, pick and roll, break you down off the dribble, penetrate, kick out. But he is a really good push ahead, make the right pass, connecting piece in the half court situation. And and I, I think Zach's just going to thrive in that situation. Particularly, you can't you can't double and triple team this guy anymore. You've got DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic out there. So he would face triple teams when he got hot last year. Um, you know, that's just not going to happen anymore. So um Zach is ready to win, and he'll he'll do whatever that takes to win. Um, he was as happy as I've seen him after winning that gold medal. Again, different situation, you're right, different scenario. Um, but if his numbers come down to 21 points a game and the Bulls are fourth seed, fifth seed, he's good, man. Trust me on that one. All right. And I, I agree with you on the, the potential offensive fit. I really like – uh, the Lonzo Ball signing, I, I think he and Levine could be very good in transition. I think maybe it's a little tougher at his age, but maybe DeMar DeRozan could be really good running the lanes. And then in the half court, I, I think the fit could work too uh, w- with Levine and DeRozan sort of maybe trading off as who's primary, who's secondary creator. Lonzo Ball can spot up, be that tertiary ball mover. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, I think his point guard skills are so underrated. Uh, yep. Good ball handler, good passer. Uh, I I think he and Levine can really split that. Like neither one of, maybe even DeRozan can be kind of the point guard in the half court. Uh, I I think that's not really the right role for Levine. Uh, but Levine is secondary playmaker, awesome scorer, all that. Uh, to be Debbie Downer again, though, my far bigger question is about defense. Yeah. How that's- do- that's, that 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 I'll join you in Debbie Downer. Bill, so here we go. <laughs> I mean, how, how can the Bulls build a good defense? 
around Zach Levine, who hasn't done it, although you've increased my optimism that maybe with less scoring burden, maybe he'll be a better defender. So I'm starting to feel a little better about it in our conversation already, but he has not been a good defender. DeMar DeRozan is a bad defender. He is, he's maybe one of the most overrated defenders in the league uh, because people look at his athleticism and his length and say, oh yeah, and he's on good defensive teams a lot of times, but he's often the weak link. He's often holding back his teams defensively. I think he's probably a little about appropriately rated offensively. I don't think he's overhyped offensively, but defensively, uh, I think very overrated. Nikola Vucevic can fit into a good defense, but you're not going to have a good defense because of him. Uh, Patrick Williams, excellent defensive potential, but it's hard for a young player. Young players have to learn NBA defense. Uh, That's asking a lot for him in the second year. It's asking a lot for Lonzo Ball, who's a good defender, to make that much of a difference from the guard spot. I I see three weak links on this defense. Maybe you've talked me down to two and a half, but that's still a lot. How do you build a good defense around this? Well, a few things. I I, I am glad actually you made the distinction about Vucevic can fit into a good team defense, but you're not going to play good defense because of him. Because I actually think sometimes the narrative on him has gotten so over skewed to one side. He's he's not a horrible team defender at all. Now, yes, he's not he's not good in space. You can't switch him onto a guard. He's not going to lock down guys, but he is a solid defensive uh, interior rebounder. And and more often than not, he's in the right place at the right time. Uh, so so he's not, to me, as bad of a defender as sometimes people make him out to be. So I'm glad you made that distinction. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. This team has uh, – th- that's the big question mark. I would posit that further that it's um, – the bigger question marks to me are rim protection because you, if, you, if your projected starting lineup has Patrick Williams at the four, I mean – you know, that's an undersized four. Now, he is, I think, a very, uh, you know, wise beyond his years defender and has a lot of athleticism, but you're a little undersized right there to begin with. If you go small ball with some lineups, you stagger your starters and DeMar DeRozan's of the four, you know, that's got some rim protection questions. I do like the Tony Bradley signing, not a uh, sexy or splashy offseason sizing, but very solid fundamental, fundamentally. I think he's going to play a decent role off the bench for rim protection. But beyond that, you're pretty thin up front. Um, Caruso, I think, is going to play a lot. I, I just think you're going to have to play that guy a lot because of his ability to, um, you know, control point of attack, bust up screens, deflections, diving on the floor for loose balls. So I think he's going to play a pretty big role um, defensively for this team. And then you just have to you, you have to hope that, you know, Billy Donovan's history is he gets teams to, de- to defend. I mean – Last year, the Bulls, I, I don't have it in front of me. I believe they finished 12th defensive rating and like 27th offensively. Or No, maybe it wasn't that low offensively. It was that low after the Vucevic trade. But they, I know they had a top 15 defense, and for a long time they had a top 10 defense um, with some really young players. So Billy Billy gets teams to guard for the most part, um, and that's what you have to trust on. But, yeah, that I, I think offensively this team has tons of potential – and a really, on paper, a lot of nice fitting parts. I, I'm with you, man. This this team's got to prove to me that they can guard, because uh, or else they're going to have to be winning a lot of shootouts. I mean, I think they're going to have to win a lot of shootouts, um, but they could on the margins, right? They could guard a little bit better and not have to score quite as much, or their offense could really take off. Like, I, you know, I think they're going to need to exceed my expectations just by a little bit on one end of the court or the other. Uh, but they should have a really good offense and a bad defense in their degrees, right? Like, you could have a great offense or you could have an atrocious defense. Uh, They'd like to be on the higher side, of course, on both of those. Um, One move I'm real curious about. uh, I I thought the Bulls did a a great job of recouping value from Lowry Markkinen. Uh, 
it, it was just headed toward a bad place. And to get a first round pick, uh, I thought was excellent. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. Eh, Blazers probably wanted to dump him at that point. Uh, but, you know, he, he's young. He's athletic. Maybe he can play a little bit off the bench. He's on an expiring contract uh, to, to turn Lowry Markinen's uh, restricted free agency into an extra first round pick to recoup a first round pick from all the ones lost and get Derek Jones Jr. I like the move a lot. And I'm not sure if I, which I prefer, but I wonder if you can do that trade. And we're talking about all the, these defensive issues and maybe needing some depth at forward. Why not just take Larry Nance Jr.? Yeah, I mean, they, they got a second-round pick there, too, um, mm-hmm. from, from Cleveland. Um, I never got the full answer on that, uh, but, you know, just my what I was told, and I reported this before the trade was made, was that they were, t- they were looking for a first-round pick and expiring contract. So I think they were locked in on that. And I think the fact they recouped another second-round pick, given all the draft capital they've expended, um, maybe maybe – that, that played a part of it. Also, you have to remember it was a three-team deal, right? So maybe Portland was focused on Nance and, and wouldn't do it other if they didn't get Nance. Um, so, you know, a lot of moving parts in that deal. Well, they they, um, could, they could have cut out Portland, right? Like Because because we know the Cavs were comfortable trading Nance for Lowry Markinen. Uh, yeah. Then you don't get the then you don't get the draft capital. I, right. I, I, I you just get a good player, they, Nance. Yeah, I, I know that they were dead set on draft recouping draft capital and – Getting an expiring deal. Those were the those. That's what I had reported well before the, mm-hmm. the trade. The trade was uh, was made. So that's you know I, I don't have a you know rock solid definitive answer, but that's my informed speculative <laughs> answer. Um, but um, what do you think they would have been better off with? And I go back and forth. Right, it's nice to have that first round pick. And again, Derek Jones Jr. can provide a little depth, but Leonis Jr. is a really good player uh, who I think would have fit pretty well with what this team needs. Maybe the, I mean there's some degree of you're building uh, for the future and he's going to jam up some playing time for Patrick Williams. And that's an issue there. Uh, but in terms of winning immediately, obviously Larry Nance Jr. is going to help more than a future first round pick. Um, yeah. But what, I think what, that's that, 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 a couple of things. I mean, first of all, and I know it, the decision came down right before they finally pulled the trigger on the marketing deal. I know, you know, like most teams, the bulls were juggling a lot of things, but they're also in on Millsap. Mm. Uh, and Millsap had just decided. So, I mean, I guess they could have pivoted from Millsap to focus on Nance. But um, I, I personally think the way I view it is kind of that point I was making before, how the way I see it, and, you know, I'm not – this is my own reading and analysis, not, you know, having me talk to Arturis or confirmed by management or anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like they're kind of – this roster construction, I, I think that point I was making before is a pertinent one. I think they're kind of – using Zach Levine as kind of the swing piece between two little cores here. I mean, I'm not saying DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic are old, but they're on the, you know, other side of, of their primes heading towards the end of their primes. They're in their thirties. And now you've got this young wave of Kobe white and whatever you do with him and Patrick Williams and Lonzo ball and, you know, getting some draft capital to, to, to restock that and kind of build with that wave around Zach Levine as he goes through what you hope is a, you know, five to seven year prime is important. So that, that would be my read on, on, on that decision. Yep. That makes sense. It, if you were to get an honest answer out of the bulls, when do you think they're looking to peak, right? Cause you're like you said, they're swinging between these different groups and are they just trying to be as good as possible as quickly as possible? Or are yeah. they, Yes. 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 That's simple. Yeah, it it really is. I, you know, 
I, again, I, I don't know this management team well. Again, I, I, it's funny. I mean, I have not met Mark Eversley in person, right? He's the general manager of the, of the team I've covered for 25 years. I mean, so, I, but but that's my read. And, and just having, you know, talked to the people I talked to in the organization is that they just want, they're tired of losing. You have a new management team that obviously came in and evaluated and was like, this ain't working for us. Let's make these moves. They've made big, bold moves. They want to get relevant, uh, competitive again, and then just figure things out as they go along. This to me seems like it's a very nimble front office. I mean, no one saw the Vucevic trade coming. You know, the ball thing obviously was was well reported. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, even back to the trade deadline, they were right. trying to trade Lowry for him then. I mean, we I, I've been writing Lonzo Ball's name, you know, daily, weekly for weeks, you know. But uh, the DeRozan thing, you know, kind of bubbled up right before free agency. I, I was a little surprised by it, but they went out, you know, and and this is what I would say is, I mean, look, you know, I wrote this story for, for our website, NBCSportsChicago.com. I mean, Mark Eversley was was pivotal in that acquisition, and that dates to his time in Toronto with, with DeMar. I mean, he went out and visited with DeMar um, and obviously has a strong pre-existing relationship with him. And so that, to me, is what this, front, this new management team is all about. It's a well-connected, well-respected relationship filled front office so my feeling is like they, they're just like let's go let's win and then just figure things out as we as we go along they they, they they're both both Arturis and mark come from um multiple team backgrounds they've got you know their own philosophies but it's filtered through a lot of different experiences i i see this i see this management team as being one that's aggressive but also kind of can shift and, and and figure things out as it as it goes along you know gar and john their their formula was pretty pretty predictable. I mean, they they really tried to build through the draft. They did a very good job of it, for the most part, um, early in their tenure. And then you can quibble the results, you know, from the uh, Jimmy Butler trade on. Um, but uh, you know, I just feel like they're just like let's 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 make these moves and let's get competitive and get people excited about Chicago basketball again. Not just fans, but like the league, right? And like players, so and agents and other things. So that, that's, that's my read on what the, what this management team is trying to do. So I, before we get into a couple of final thoughts, I wanted to talk about, a, I think a couple underrated players in the bulls off season. Uh, we only briefly mentioned Alex Caruso and really to that point, I think we haven't talked enough about Lonzo ball. I think those are two strong additions, a uh, good price. I, I think those guys can play. There's always, there's a lot of hype around them for a couple different reasons, uh, but those guys can play. They know how to play basketball. I think they are the exact right fit of being young, uh, much more so in Lonzo Ball's case, but also being ready to contribute. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, I think a real underrated player is Thaddeus Young. I think I had him about second in my for sixth man of the year uh, last year. I think he was real helpful. He's getting older. Maybe you can't count on him to do the same thing. Uh, but when you look at kind of that group of players coming in, coming out, uh, do you think people are overlooking how much uh, of a difference on each side that'll make for Chicago? I mean, I think Ball and Caruso have been, uh, you know, properly celebrated. I mean, I think I agree with you. I think they're really, really strong fits. I mean, Caruso, to me, as I mentioned before, I think it's going to play a pretty critical role off the bench, just given his defensive uh tenaciousness i mean one thing we constantly heard from billy donovan last season was how much the bulls struggle with you know controlling the point of attack they just didn't have guards that could get over screens or disrupt screens or blow up screen roll and and 
that's what Caruso is, is fa- fantastic. I mean, the guy's drawn all NBA or all defensive team votes um, in the past, you know, and, and, and not playing heavy minutes either. So I think he's going to play a big role for this team. And then, um, yeah, I mean, ball, you know, it, they tried to trade for him at the trade deadline with marketing. It's, it's pretty, pretty well documented how much Arturis thought this guy was the fit and how, you know, he's on an ascending portion of his career and they just feel just with his selfish uh, unselfishness and his, you know, better improved shooting ability and just his, you know, connectivity. I mean, it's funny cause I went back and read Arturis's uh, quotes from his introductory news conference about his philosophy on basketball. I don't have them in front of me, but if you read them, it's basically like Lonzo Ball's game. <laughs> it's like, you know, unselfish, moving without the ball, making the extra pass, you know, not worrying about uh, getting uh, the assist, just making the right play. You know, I mean, it's like that's what Lonzo Ball to me does. I mean, he's just – I mentioned before like the hockey assist. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if the NBA tracks it. They track everything else, but like – it seems to me he, he, he'd he be in the top 10 for hockey assists in the NBA. The dude just, to me, more often than not, makes the right play. So, yeah, I think those guys are, are properly celebrated. I mean, Thad, you're not going to find me ever say a bad word about that dude. I mean, he's incredible. Just great in the locker room, great, great on the court. I do think it might be hard-pressed to match what he did last year. He was absolutely ridiculously phenomenal last year. I mean, that said, you know he's going to play well. I mean, that's just what he does. He's been solid his whole career. Um, there was some s- speculation that, you know, that the Bulls might have been able to keep him and move Lowry in that deal. I, I was told that that was a little overblown. You know, you you have to trust who you talk to. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. We were talking before about Larry Nance being a fit. I mean, Fatty Young would be ideal for that. If you yeah. look, it's like, to me, and they chased Millsap, he would have been a perfect fit. I mean, to me, of those three players, any of those three would be better than what you have. But, you can't have everything when you're trying to to re, restructure restructure your roster. So, Thad, Thad, uh, I expect him to go have a good year in San Antonio for sure. When you look at the Bulls offseason as a whole, I'm 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 writing the Bulls offseason grade now, working on it, trying to figure out how how to assess it. And I love the Lonzo Ball signing, like the the Alex Caruso addition, uh, like uh, turning Lowry Markinen into a first round pick, as you said, a second rounder. And for matching salary, I don't think you're going to do better than Derek Jones Jr. when your goal is to get a first round pick. Um, I hated the DeMar DeRozan addition. To, to pay him so much, uh, to give up a pick, to give up Thaddeus Young, uh, loathe that move. I did not like it all giving up multiple first rounders to Nikola Vucevic. And I know that's not this offseason, and I'm trying my best to separate it, but that obviously fits into their vision, right? They rolled right in from getting Vucevic into these offseason moves. Uh, but if we're just concentrating on this offseason, I I like the Bulls' position. It's not just how much better they're going to be next year. And I'm going to nitpick something you said right at the beginning. You said that we can all agree the Bulls are going to be significantly better. I'm not sure I think they're going to be significantly better. They will be better. No question they should be better. I'm not sure they'll be significantly better given all that they gave up in terms of draft capital and especially using all this, this financial flexibility to whatever degree existed on DeMar DeRozan. Uh, I feel better about the Bulls' overall position, which I think plays more priority on the present because you never know what's coming in the future. As you've said, great point. There's time to figure it out. You win and then you can figure things out. There's value in winning sooner than later, for sure. I feel better about the Bulls. 
but can you articulate, and I'm sure you feel better about the Bulls, I gather that uh, from, from this conversation, but can you articulate how much better you feel about the Bulls from the start of the offseason to where they stand right now? Um, I mean, I feel a lot better. I mean, to me, it's, it's you know, this league's about talent. The Bulls didn't have a lot of talent, and they've added a lot of talent. I mean, you could, you know, obviously nitpick or debate the costs that they – uh, you know, outlaid or expended to, to acquire that talent, but they've upgraded their talent. It's as simple as that. Um, it's going to be a better product to watch, uh, better product to cover, um, you know. Uh, so I, I just, I, to me, at the end of the day, it's as simple as that. They've upgraded their talent. And as I said before, you know, I, I've, I've read all the stuff, panning the DeRozan signing and what, you know, the cost of it and et cetera. You know, I'd, haven't we've learned by now that you know very few deals i mean i say this when john wall's on the on the market and to me that is an untradeable deal but i mean how many times you heard untradeable deal and then the the guy's dealt i mean the nba you know things can change things can and to me the bulls are in position to get better and again react to what's going on around the league as you move forward but that's not really even their their goal right now. Their goal right now is to get this group assembled and and max it out and see where it goes and you know and have it lead to a a, a Levine resigning. So um, I just think that they've made the moves to to, to for all that to work, and now you got to go out and do it on the court. But they've, I, I, as I said before, however you feel about the off season, I don't even the people that didn't like their off season. I mean. Did they not upgrade their talent? I mean, to me, it's pretty simple. They upgraded their talent, right? So we'll see We'll see where it goes from here. So let's go back just lastly, beyond the offseason, let's roll it back to when they traded for Vucevic. Okay, so giving up two first-round picks, one's already conveyed, uh, giving up another first-round pick to get DeRozan, got one back for Markkanen. So it's minus two in first-round picks. For a team that's minus two in first-round picks, in this situation, what's a fair bar, not just for next season, but beyond what's a fair bar of say to say, you've got to be this good to be worth that cost, right? Because if when teams give up picks like that, I mean, not always, but often they're in championship contention, right? We, we just saw the Clippers give up all those picks for Paul George. Well, they're trying to win a title. Uh, the Bucks gave up all those picks for Drew Holiday. Well, they're trying to win a title. Uh, that's when we uh, the Lakers gave up all those picks for Anthony Davis. They're trying to win a title. That's when we see a lot of those types of moves. And this wasn't quite all in on that scale. But for giving up two first-round picks, being minus two in first-round picks, what's a fair bar for assessing whether this plan is a success or a failure over the next several years? I, I mean, you, to me, you got to be in that you know early uh, guard packs there. You got to be a perennial playoff team. Um, and you got to be competing for home court advantage every year. I mean, uh, now you hopefully have better playoff success. I mean, it, other than uh, other than the year they advanced to the conference finals in eleven, you know, I, I believe all those playoff teams were one and done's except yeah, they, they advanced the second round one time. Um, but uh, that that to me is where you got to be at. You got to be in that you know four or five, you know, obviously better if you're better, even even great better better, but. To me, you got to be competing for home court advantage and, and be a perennial uh, playoff team for this uh, this little era to to be called a success. Yeah, that seems like a fair bar to me. Perennial playoff team with with some series wins, right? You can't yeah. just be making it and getting bounced. Uh, yep. that, that seems fair. Uh, I don't think the Bulls are going to get there, but like you said, it's going to be interesting to watch and find out because I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I think they're better, but that is a high bar. They set themselves up for a high bar. You go after talent like that, uh, you set up a high bar and – 
I'm very interested to watch, and uh, I'm going to follow along your coverage, of course, all year. I encourage everybody else to do the same. Read Casey at NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, follow him on Twitter at KCJ Hoop. Casey, thanks for joining me. I had a blast. Thank you, Dan. Justin, and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.